Hello, I'm inviting you into this A Gabrielle exclusive. May your heart be inspired by real people, right intentions, and raw emotion. Keep the conversation going by following A.Gabrielle exclusives on Instagram. So Destiny, I want to circle back real quick because you talked a little bit about like I've heard you say Richland and you said Arizona State. <laughs> so and you, you know, you were in private school. So walk me back through what it looked like after you graduated because then you said you got to 23 and you were poor so like i'm wondering like what this trajectory was like because i think here in the america in america we think you go to college you graduate you get a good job but like what what was that like for you what was this step by step yeah so i um graduated high school so i went to magnet high school so they're public schools you just have to apply and like uh take inter do interviews or and take tests like to get in okay right? you have to show um merit uh and so i once i graduated uh i didn't know my mom didn't know anything about college my dad didn't know nothing about college um i think my mom has a ged my dad might have his um so i didn't really have anybody to ask there were people around me but you know it's not like the same mm -hmm. and they're not gonna pour into you as much either because they're just like friends and i don't know it's weird but <laughs> yeah so i just kind of took the most money because remember i was just like following the money yeah <laughs> so i was like oh this is a really good scholarship Ooh, cool let's do this uh and i went to uta even though I lived in Dallas, I had never seen UCA. I didn't know nothing about UCA, hadn't visited, not a nothing. I but they had that money. They gave me the money. Yeah. I really wanted to go to New York, but I can afford the SAT subject test. So. <laughs> so I went to UCA and I realized very quickly that um, one, they told me that I would have dorm housing, and then two weeks before school, they said, nope, oh, um, you're going to be on a wait list. And so and I was at 18 years old. 18. I didn't have a car or anything. I was like, well, if I don't have a place to stay, how am I going to get to class? My mom ain't going to be able to drive me all the way to Arlington before right. she got to be at work in Dallas at 730. So I was like, I don't know what to do. So my mom was like, well, look and see if you can get like uh, an apartment like off campus. And so I found this little like loft apartment. It was like probably $700 a month. And I showed them that, hey, look, I'm getting this financial aid refund <laughs> um, can, I, can I stay here please <laughs> and so they let me uh stay there <laughs> and I got a work-study job and then um which paid like 725 an hour it was never more than 19 hours a week yeah um definitely not enough to even buy groceries and I thugged it out <laughs> yeah college <laughs> yeah so i but i didn't um i didn't do so well because i was really just trying to pay rent most of the time and eat yeah so i couldn't really like do well in school and i ended up like failing classes and then just did enough to get out and transfer because SFA had said I was visiting out there and I was like I really like it out here this is, seems like a better environment they could get me in a dorm mm -hmm. um, I 
I have family out here if I really need to call anyone. So I was like, this is cool. And they were like, oh, cool. Yeah, come in the summertime, take these classes. And if you get above this uh, GPA, then we'll give you the same scholarships as uh, UTA. I'm like, oh, bet. Yeah, <laughs> this sound good. Got the GPA. And then they say, oh, you got to take out a $12,000 private loan if you want to go here. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> so I went back home to Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had also had, they told me to take out, I had to take out a private loan to pay for that summer semester. So now I had this, this additional debt that I thought I was going to be able to like get out of and couldn't. And then went back to Dallas. I was like, you know what? Forget the university route uh, right now. Let's just do these community college classes that I can pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, got me like my little five jobs and finished up my associates at Richland. Took classes all over. Um, then went to UTD, which was when I about when I had the uh, grandma no more. Yeah, and then that's when I. Transferred to Arizona State online. Okay. I was like, did you just move to Arizona, girl? Okay, online. So I've always gone to Arizona every summer. Every summer since 98. Is the family there? Yes. Okay. So it's really like home anyway. <clears throat> and my grandmother was living there, so it just kind of made sense. And they had the online uh, software engineering program. So I just took a leap of faith. Uh and like just dipped, sold my car, sold my apartment, and moved to California. Was applying to jobs, didn't know what I was gonna do. I just knew that I don't know I was supposed to move. Wait, why California? Like that's just where God said go. I okay. just got up and go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I've, I'm there for it. And then ended up being there for like three weeks and got a job in uh, Seattle, Washington, as an international flight attendant that brought me back to Dallas. Wow, and. So I was doing, being flight attendant and doing school at Arizona State online at the same time. Not easy. Yeah, because <laughs> flight attendant schedule is not just your little nine to five. Not at all. And then I was in different countries like every two days. <clears throat> so my time zones like was off. When is this paper due? Eleven fifty nine. What night? Exactly. <laughs> so. Um, that's when I realized I was like, okay, maybe software engineering. No, no, no. I, yeah, I switched from software engineering to engineering management because that seemed, that like made it more literally manageable. <laughs> was it engineering because there was money in engineering? Is that why you chose? I had always been studying engineering. I went to okay. science and engineering magnet. Gotcha. So it was just like, this is what I'm good at. It's easy. They didn't tell me something about this before. Big, so I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> So that's, I did that and switched to engineering management. And then um, I stopped being a flight attendant and moved back to Arizona, or not back to, but moved to Arizona um, with my grandmother. And that's when I switched to liberal studies when I had the time. Cause I really wanted to like just finish school at this point. Yeah. I've been in school for probably like eight years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I want to get this bad. Literally. So I wrote the lady, my advisor and I was like, look, this is what I have. How do we make this like a thing? Work, work this out for me. <laughs> <laughs> We've been to all these schools, switched all these majors, got this little associates here. What are we doing here? And she was like, well, how about liberal studies? I was like, I don't know what that is, but okay. <laughs> Sounds good. I can be done like this semester. Okay, cool. Let's do it. 
Um, and so I got my degree in liberal studies. And then, um, like I said, at that point, I knew I was going to get into real estate. And I came back to, to Texas to start because it only made sense. There you go. Full circle. Then. I just wanted to like, I was like, I got some gaps in here. I need to <laughs> fill in. Okay. So one thing that the people listening may not know about you is that you are biracial. Yes. Um, so talk to us a little bit about what it was like to grow up biracial and then what it was like to travel all these different places that you've traveled and that you live as a biracial American. Oh, man. Oh, man. I know this is like two very <laughs> loaded questions here. So growing up biracial in Dallas, Texas, I'm not even going to, I'm sorry, but you might have to, I don't know if you, this, this, you got to censor this, but it was hell. <laughs> it was hell. It was, I mean, it had its, its blessings and its curses, just to be real. Um, not, and I'm grateful for my life and my path. However, there was a lot of things that I saw, um, even as a kid, it was just unfair and made my life a little bit more uncomfortable at times uh, and awkward at times when it, it could have just been a good time. Mm -hmm. So even things like going into a restaurant in Mesquite, Texas, where they look at my mom, they look at my dad, they look at my mom, they look at my dad, they look at us, and then they look in disgust. And it's just like, and as a kid, you feel that energy. Yeah. You, you're you not like naive to, mm -hmm. to the bad or the ill intent that is like put towards you. So moments like that are, were never fun. Um, even just odd interactions like at family reunions on either side. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> on either side. And then to be real, like just the timing of my my parents and grandparents, like their ages and lives and their meeting and me being born aligned with uh, what was going on in America. So for example, my grandparents, my dad's dad uh, was um, one of the people who was one of the men who were called to or drafted to fight in um, the wars like Vietnam and things like that. And on the flip side, I also have my mom's mom, who is this um, powerhouse Christian woman from East Texas who came to Dallas and kind of like forged a way for herself um, as a white woman. And so growing up seeing these these different dynamics and how they interacted with each other, mm -hmm. um, my family on both sides was really interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> because i saw myself as them mm. and still do and i have to remind them that i have to be like hello i'm you like i'm both of y'all yeah like we're all this is this is it like in living color literally <laughs> <clears throat> so that is frustrating at times, even to this day. Um, but it has a, it, like I said, it has its its blessings and its curses. And so you have the the bad where you're treated bad, and then you have where people are like, "Oh, you have good hair." Oh, girl. <laughs> and, oh, oh, I should. You're so pretty, and it's like, but you know, it's just cause like they just feel cause of your my skin color or you know like my mm -hmm. like my hair, and so even dealing with that can be like. 
So along those lines, and kind of like what you alluded to, to talking about your family, how you're both of them, I think that people just maybe from like middle school, kind of that weird fifth grade, sixth grade, um, all the way up until, you know, after college, people go through, I would say, several identity crises or just trying to figure out who am I? What was that like for you? So I always have been the person who like, I I guess I recognize um, being the oldest two in a biracial family um, and then with such young parents who I'm kind of like growing up with, yeah. I recognized early on that like I'm not like everybody else <laughs> in that sense. I didn't know that like specifically, I couldn't say, oh, this is, this is like a big contributing factor to why I'm not like everybody else, but I just knew. So I was very like, uh, um, introverted and would spend a lot of time to myself and still do but I could get along with anybody and everybody and so I became a part of like every little circle in a sense yeah um, and kind of got to know a lot of different people but I'll never remember and I think what kind of spurred me to be like that one of my older cousins like a cousin of a cousin type <laughs> yeah know, like a second cousin my dad's I, somewhere in the line right she was mixed too and she was I think like three or four years older than me and I remember her telling me she said destiny the black people are not gonna like you because you're too light-skinned the white people are not gonna like you because you're too dark-skinned she said the Mexicans will hang with you <laughs> <laughs> and I was like man and I, I saw that, like, literally in life, like, as I went back to school, I was like, man, she's right. And it was true. Um, and so I was like, that's really weird, but it is what it is. Yeah. But like I said, I just made it my thing to just kind of be friends with everybody and get to know everyone for who they were um, individually. <laughs> no, I get that. I think... Um... I think that's really good in terms of being able to find community, whether it's the people who look like you or the people who don't look like you, but to be able to form some sort of bond with peers. Right. I think that's super important. What about your family? Have you, because I know you mentioned like your grandparents and just kind of like the time period they grew up in. In your family, have you seen any, from your mom's side, like remnants of white privilege or from your dad's side, like racism or like prejudices surface there? in kind of like in conflict with each other um oh man <laughs> so yeah definitely it's very difficult to one get them all in a, in the same room um i have recently been discovering like especially through taking these classes uh my own uh traces of, of white privilege well, that's good <laughs> uh, okay, self-awareness yeah so that that has been interesting that and then just uh interacting with some of my friends and some of the things that they say when we have these conversations that are again results of taking classes here um uh, discussing these things and uh so one example i would even just say is just like my my grandmother my mom's mom worked in, like i said she was she made a name for herself um in the city of dallas and um really did some cool things and so that gave her a level of status and so when she would pick me up from school we would go places for lunch um like just i mean they would take us out of school we would go like on trains and 
East Texas, like we would go um, to the Reunion Tower to eat. We would go to Neiman Marcus. Oh, this is every kid's little dream. Like, get out of school and go live your best life. Oh, my grandma coming and pick me up. My classmates would know, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this one's going down. Yeah, they're like, they they would think that that was my mom, but um, I'm like, no, she's my grandma. Like, she old. What you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Like, knowing their parents is like, they're her age. (laughs) But um, so moments like that, definitely. And I know that, like, when I would go, because to me, it wasn't, it was just normal. That's what I did with my grandma. That that's what I did. Yeah. Like, and then with this grandma, we hung around. We went to uh, West Dallas where my dad's mom. We went to West Dallas. We went to the projects. Like I said, Winwood, the projects over there. Like, and would visit people, bring them things if they were sick or needed anything. Um, I would go hang out with the little kids at the playground and the projects, running around. Like, that's what I did when she would come pick me up. Yeah. <laughs> so. This is like a really well-rounded experience almost of like seeing different realities within your own life. Right. And I know that, and I guess to answer your questions, the me taking the experiences from one or the other and then going back and talking about them to the other, because that's what I did as a little kid. I talked to my grandma, my, both of them. Um, that probably caused between them some type of feelings Mm -hmm. i would imagine as you know what i mean as like definitely like oh she taking her here and there she thinks she is yeah and so i i definitely saw it and initially in the beginning of um even my life and my sister's life life my dad's mom wouldn't like come to our birthday party she wouldn't she was very she did not like the fact that we were black and white like that my they did not like it yeah yeah so that was very present um and just kind of caused that conflict and would always make the 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 you would hear them talk about the like the white privilege that they saw if that makes sense mm-hmm. vice versa what would you say is the most challenging thing that you face here in america as a biracial american um Knowing that we're all the same and it's so petty. Yeah. <laughs> Racism. Yes. <laughs> um, being able to literally understand both sides and empathize with um, people who honestly believe that, oh, this is the way of life. Like, this is, I am right to feel that I am supreme because of my skin color. Uh, and empathizing with those who feel and and can say that I am oppressed because of the shade of my skin color in America and because I am white or black. So understanding both sides really like, I think it is very frustrating for me and can make um, things more difficult in a sense of navigating uh, like especially like finding community like yeah. I was talking about earlier and you were, you know brought up so about. how have you how do you cope with this or how have you been able to find community um I still do like I said when I was a kid <laughs> yeah some things last forever <laughs> the skills you learned as a kid yeah um I'm very I've always been just very true to myself and I just follow like my passion and what I love and what I'm doing so I find people around me um 
who whenever I'm doing whatever I'm doing that I love and uh, I have had different communities for different times of my life that have really brought me along um, I'm one to not like I appreciate my village uh, that has made me who I am and so there's been people who are here in a part of my community for a season and then there's been people who are still a part of my community and have been there from the beginning and especially like I said growing up all over Dallas I can walk everywhere and I say walk because I do <laughs> but I can walk everywhere and find someone that I know through, even if it's like through a one to two person connection. Yeah. And that makes me feel um, safe and comfortable, which is why I want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Being the adventurous person that I am. But it's still a good thing. And so I guess, like I said, I found community everywhere through just my ability to connect with everyone. No, I think that's really good. Um, I think that's something that like I personally struggle with over time is like being okay that some people are just here for a season because um, I often joke like I have attachment issues, but I think I actually do have some sort of attachment issues <laughs> of like, you know, I've become like I'm really relationally bound. And so it's like I've become so like in close relationship with this person that when we go our separate ways, I've had to learn that it's okay and it's not because you know we have tensions or this person hates me but it's just this was the season of my life that we were meant to be in this space together mm -hmm. this is what i gained from this season this is what i learned and now i can go into the next thing and i can be okay and have closure in that so i think that's really awesome yeah to be okay with that yeah it takes some time though you like yes I, i'll say one thing that helped me i don't know if it will help you uh but just a suggestion. <laughs> um, Come on, suggestion. Uh, Buddhism. Um, Buddhism Ooh, say more. practices uh, non-attachment, and they teach and go in. You know, go into our um, when you're not attached to anything, not to my phone, not to um, even my mom. Mm -hmm. You know, like knowing that every and and also in, it's in Christianity too. Like you can read in the Bible or whatever your religion is. Not the case, but you know those things of rem remembering that everything is fleeting yes that's good it's, it's all temporary yet you still have the power to leave your mark that's so good um okay well that is like almost like a great ending point but before we finish up here i want to know um are you reading any good books right now or do you have any suggestions that you would recommend to any of the listeners if they want to dive into more of some of the things we talked about from racism, gentrification, redlining, food deserts, like growing up in Dallas, being biracial, just any of these like hot topics that we talked about today. Right. So one that I have probably, I keep rereading um, and is probably one of the reasons I'm hella behind in these uh, in my work uh, <laughs> is one that uh, Ryan uh, Holmes recommended in class, The Accommodation. Hmm. Okay. And I loved that. I, I am really digging in deep to that because it is about everything that you just said. Is this a novel or it's, is this a, um, like an article? It's just a, like, it was a book. Uh, he's, he's seen it. It's a, I don't remember the author. Please forgive me. Um, it's okay. They can look it up. The Accommodation. Yes. Yes. The Accommodation. And so it is about um, Dallas and how that redlining was enforced through 
terrorism enforced through bombings and enforced through the fear um, that was instilled on on the the people the people of color in Dallas so that they wouldn't um, move outside of these boundary lines that they had the people who believed that they were superior the white supremacists had set um, and they set them using laws using like i said the the terror and uh just it goes into how they did all of this and i am finding it really fascinating to just go through each little neighborhood that he talks about each street and the people's stories and see how i can see it uh affects today mm. That's good. That's really good. Because I think that learning history is one thing, but when you understand the remnants of history that still exists today or how this historical marking has literally made a mark on today, I think that's how you grow and that's how you really get to shape how can I fix this or how can I contribute to this. Right. Okay. I know I said that was the last question, but this is really <laughs> the final question. Um, what would you say is your favorite thing about your life right now and the direction that it's going? Uh, I would say that what I really like, and I'm a, I love trees and tree references and things surrounding trees because I think that they're just a great symbol of life, right? So yes. I think that I am at the point where my roots have been planted, my trunk has grown, I am my branches are reaching out and i'm starting to grow leaves <laughs> so that's uh what how i see my life right now um and i think that it's cool because i am starting to see uh the 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 produce and the fruit appear from seeds that were planted uh in me by others uh and by my like i said my village and my environment and growing up here in dallas um and so that's the exciting part. And like, like I said, seeing, seeing, seeing the, the growth. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't even have to say anything else after that. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Destiny. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in while the conversation was flowing. Follow A.Gabrielle exclusives on Instagram and the conversation can keep going. I post once a week. Make sure you subscribe so you can stay up and catch this weekly vibe. Let's